Welcome to this episode of Courier Conversations. Now here's your hosts, Rudy Gray and Todd Deaton. Thanks for joining us for Courier Conversations. Uh, we have as our guest today, my dear friend, brother in Christ, and he has a multitude of things that he does. I can't even remember them all, but I'm going to ask Dr. Tony Beam if he would just tell us his intro to his radio program, and then I know he's an ERLC trustee, and he's been a pastor. Just tell us something about all of that stuff, and we'll jump right into what we want to talk about. Thanks, Rudy. I appreciate that very much. It's uh, good to be here. Always great to have a good excuse to spend some time with you. Um, I, yeah, I do several things. I, I tell people that my dad told me when I was a young man, he said, son, you can't do anything well, so you're going to have to do a lot of things and keep moving. So I, I try to take his advice. But um, I serve as director of church and community engagement for the Tim Brazier campus at North Greenville University, which is our Greer campus graduate school. Um, and uh, online program is operated out of there, plus our PA program and other graduate programs. And then I serve as the director of public policy for the South Carolina Baptist Convention, uh, which means I spend a good bit of time in Columbia from January through really the end of May, 1st of June. We just kind of wrapped up, and of course they're coming back for some more to finish up the budget and to talk about uh, what uh, South Carolina law will look like when it comes to abortion post Roe versus Wade, if that does get overturned. And why you? I don't want to interrupt you, but while you're mentioning that, would you be willing to come back at a later date and talk about sure. uh, exactly what that is going to mean? I, I would like to talk about that because it's important for the church to understand what, where we go from here. It's not just going to be a magic uh, switch that gets flipped and everything gets put right. It's going to take uh, working together in the body of Christ to offer other opportunities to women. So anyway, um, I do that, and uh, I do, I'm the co-host of Christian Worldview with Tony in Austin, which is Monday through Friday, on his radio talk, which is 89.7 and 91.9, and we have a podcast by the same name that's available wherever you can get a podcast, and I serve as interim pastor at um, Impact Church over in Spartanburg, and uh, they're in the Spartanburg Baptist Network. Um, they meet at the Middle Tiger YMCA. And uh, excellent church, glad to be associated with them. And I do serve as a trustee of the Ethics and Religious Liberty Commission of the Southern Baptist Convention. And um, I'm chairman of the board for the Palmetto Family uh, Council. So um, I'm involved and engaged on and with issues on the state level uh, through Palmetto Family and through my role at the South Carolina Baptist Convention. Well, today, you know, the convention is coming up uh, soon. And yeah. um, the big one, the Southern Baptist the Convention. Southern Baptist Convention. Uh, and, you know, a lot of people don't understand what Southern Baptist Convention is, but the Southern Baptist Convention only exists two days out of the year. That's right. And in that interim period, most of the year, the executive committee acts on behalf of the Southern Baptist Convention. In other words, they run the convention. Right. To carry out the decisions that get made on those two days when the convention actually meets. And, of course, to administrate the entities that the Southern Baptist Convention maintains, the International Mission Board, uh, North American Mission Board, six seminaries, and so forth. 
Uh, and I think one of their major objectives is to make sure that the money is spent the way it's supposed to be spent. That's right. Uh, but of course, each of those entities have their own boards, but those boards relate and are under uh, somewhat under the direction of the executive committee. Yeah, we could get it. We could have a whole uh, podcast just about we could uh, structure the difference between the two and where where the, the tension is. But today, I want to talk about coming up at the convention. One of the big things that's in the news, secular and otherwise, mm-hmm. is uh, the sex abuse task force. The recommendations it's going to make. They finished their work. They've got their recommendations ready. They're tweaking them. I don't think they're going to have them ready actually. Uh, every detail until uh, we get to the convention. But um, a little bit of a controversy has arisen about this. Uh, Guidepost, which is a international firm that does investigative reporting for organizations, was hired by the Sex Abuse Task Force, approved by the executive committee, Mm -hmm. which, as we mentioned earlier, uh, acts on behalf of the convention when it's not in session. Right. And uh, so they s- began this uh, interview investigative process into sex abuse. Their their job specifically was to investigate sex abuse as it would relate to the executive committee. Yeah, whether or not the executive committee had been sensitive to uh, problems within the church, how they responded to it, were they responsive? Were they not responsive? Are there people who are, need to be held accountable for that or not? Uh, a lot of questions related to primarily the executive committee. Right. And I, I've had discussions with other people about this because one of the things you keep hearing a lot is Baptist polity. And in Baptist polity, you have uh, each church is autonomous or independent. So then the church stands on its own. I mean, people in the church are accountable to the leadership of the church right. for what the church does. So there's just so far the Southern Baptist Convention can go in doing anything to a church other than disfellowshipping them. Right. You can withdraw fellowship. You can return cooperative program dollars and tell a church that they're no longer in good standing with the Southern Baptist Convention. But that's about it. But that's about the only – we can't show up – uh, send a, a a group from Nashville to uh, South Carolina to um, Greeleyville and tell First Baptist Greeleyville, you've got to operate according to these standards. Thus says the executive committee of the Southern Baptist Convention. It doesn't work that way. And and that's why when people try to compare, uh, they, they like to talk about we have a, a sex scandal in the Southern Baptist Convention. You know, you hear that lingo. And then you hear some people talking about it in relation to what happened in the Catholic Church several years ago, where priests were going from one place to another after being accused or uh, credibly accused of of sexual misconduct. Well, this is apples and oranges when you try to compare the Catholic Church to the Southern Baptist Convention. Catholic Church is hierarchical. Um, The hierarchy had a direct responsibility and the ability to stop that if they so chose, because they determine where those priests are assigned. And the same could be said for Protestant denominations that operate under a hierarchical model. But the Southern Baptist Convention is not. We we don't have that ability, so it's a very different uh, approach that we take to how we cooperate together. I know, and sometimes we use the phrase, we operate from the bottom up. 
and that would be ideal, even though in actual practice that may not be not not in anything that's tangible or connected, but uh, in actual uh, practice sometimes just the influence uh, goes a long way with things. But anyway, to the subject, uh, this group they hired, Guidepost, Mm -hmm. did this thorough thing. They they paid them about $2 million, and then they gave the convention a professional courtesy discount of over $1.5 million. Mm-hmm. So anyway, a lot of money involved, and they, they come up with this report, and they give this to the task force, and they mull through it, and now they're going to present all kinds of things that they are recommendations for even churches and how to deal with sex abuse, make your church more secure, how to deal with, with uh, screening people and uh, those kind of things. But then uh, they tweeted out something that they did that they are friendly uh, and they support the LBGTQ family. Right. And that has riled a number of people in the Southern Baptist Convention to uh, cut off any more funding. And I don't know that we owe them anything else anyway, but to cut all ties with Guidepost. T- tell me what your thoughts on this are. Well, it's a... It, it's it's tough. It it sounds like something that would be easy because you see what Guidepost has done. I mean, they not only are friendly to the LGBTQ plus, and of course, once you put that plus on there, you're basically saying not only LGBTQ, but whatever comes after that and whatever anybody decides can be added to it at whatever date. Which could be virtually anything. Anything. So it becomes... Um, a, a very big problem, and they they put out a, a statement saying that you know we we affirm people coming to work as who they authentically want to be, and then we support fully the LGBTQ plus, and we're proud to stand with them. Well, that's that's a. Um, that's not slipping a few bucks under the table as a corporation to LGBTQ causes in order to keep them from coming around and jumping on you. This is getting on the bandwagon. Yeah, this and is being, mainline. Isn't it, it is. Yeah. It, it's it's becoming an advocate for this particular lifestyle. Now, I've heard that there are internal sources at Guideposts that are upset about this because they know it's created a problem for them. And evidently, not everybody was informed or even on board with the idea of that tweet going out. But you know what? If you're running a company like that, you, you've got to, the left hand has got to know what the right exactly. hand is doing. Exactly. Uh, you can't allow something like that to go out and it not represent who the company is as a whole. Um, so it has caused problems. Um, now, the question becomes, there's 288 pages that Guidepost compiled. There's five terabytes of information. There's thousands upon thousands, tens of thousands of pages of documentation. And I've read the report. So have and, I. Yeah. And, yeah and, and it's compelling. I mean, this is not supposition. This is, here's what happened, and here are the emails, the text messages, and the information to back up what the, the things that we're saying, for the most part, right. particularly as it relates to the executive committee. Um, and so... I I don't think that the fact that we now know something about guideposts that we didn't know in the beginning negates the work that they've done or the validity 
of the information that they put together. Some are saying that because they uh, have embraced LGBTQ plus in the manner in which they have, that it should undermine our confidence in the entire report. Well, that might be true if we're talking about people that are giving us an opinion about information that they've looked at and we don't have the original documents. That's not what we have here. We have well-documented information in this report about things that have definitely taken place that we need to deal with. And what you're saying is basically the same thing that uh, Bruce Frank, who was the chairman of that uh, task force, said. He said, guideposts, and I quote, guideposts provided a very valuable service, but the requests are from the task force. In other words, they take all this information that uh, Guidepost has provided that the task force decides what are we going to present to the Southern Baptist Convention. Right. So the Guidepost investigation is one step removed from actually what comes before the convention. Right. Now, Marshall Blaylock, and you know Marshall, and I, I do. do. He's a pastor at First Baptist Charleston and was vice president of the, uh, of the task force. He called that controversy that we're talking about an excuse not to deal with sexual abuse and mistreatment of survivors within the SBC. It must not be that. It, if, if, if there are those who would like to use it for that, and I believe there are, I believe there are some people that would like to use this as an opportunity to discount the entire report. I think that's inappropriate. I don't think that's the way to go. But neither do I think that we can continue to have a relationship with Guidepost. I mean, I think that once Guidepost has made it clear who they are, and this relates a little bit to the ERLC, because this is not inside information. The ERLC was tasked by the convention to look at the churches in the same way that the, um, that the executive committee would be looked at. They wanted the ERLC to see what is the state of sexual abuse and, and what's going on in the churches. And the ERLC had to make a decision about who to partner with to carry out that task because we accepted that responsibility. Well, the choice, the decision was made to go with Guidepost for several reasons. One, they were already familiar. We were already working with them in the Southern Baptist Convention. So they were familiar with who we are, what our stand is, what our policies are. Um, they and, and we felt like that that would be a leg up when it comes to a task the size of looking at 46,000 churches, which I don't know how you do that, but that was the task that was given us. So we did, and, and other groups that we looked at just did not have the resources, the manpower, the capacity, the, the, the wherewithal, shall we say, to carry out um, any kind of investigation on that level on the level that we're talking about. So we thought guideposts should be the choice, and that's the choice we made. But now, knowing what we know about guideposts, I, I, I certainly don't think that we should continue down this path to work with them again and to take more cooperative program dollars and people's tithe that they've given to the church and given to the Lord and use that to employ someone who is diametrically opposed to our values. Now, how we, but but now I think the convention needs to make that decision. I I think we should. I don't think we need to hurry up and make some kind of break here. I think we need to get to the convention, hear what is said at the convention, listen to the messengers, and then make the decision after that how we go forward with the ERLC responsibility. Yeah. Well, I, I can see what you're saying. And then uh, that that tweet did create some sensitivity 
uh, coming out of Guidepost, their uh, spokesperson, uh, Ms. Uh, or, or I don't know if this is a Mr. or a Miss, but it's uh, Illingworth, told Baptist Press, Guidepost Solutions is a secular organization with over 200 em- employees. Our integrity is not in any manner compromised by the recognition of LGBTQ month. Well, the tweet was more than just a recognition of the month. It was about the whole No, it's an affirmation. Yes. There's no way that you can read that and not see it as an affirmation. And it is a legitimate uh, question for Southern Baptist. I mean, look, I get it. There are, every day, I guarantee you I do business with people who are LGBTQ plus friendly because the corporate world is pretty much taken over by that. Yes, um, big I corporations, drink, big well, businesses. Sure. Yeah. I, I drink Coke Zero. Well, I can stop drinking Coke Zero, but if I go drink Pepsi, they're going to be they're the same way. I mean, I, I you know, I'm probably the people that put this water in, that I'm holding up here in a plastic bottle are somehow connected and supporting the LGBTQ agenda. I had somebody so, on the assembly line working that was that, that yeah. was. I mean, you we can't escape it. It's ubiquitous. It's part of the culture. But after saying that, let me say this: once we know that, you know, where somebody stands, uh, what their corporate mindset is, and that they are not simply going along or agreeing, but they're promoting, then that causes us to have to take a step back. I, I don't think we could, because there have to be groups out there that are not as outspoken and not as dedicated to the promotion of a lifestyle that Southern Baptists would never embrace as Guidepost seems to be. Yeah. I think the t- convention itself is going to be interesting. It's going to be it, – it'll be – look, we, we need to be honest, and, and I know you are being – but, I mean, it'll be volatile. There's going to be a lot of – there are going to be people that want the ERLC to go away. Um, will be the, – the, that entity is and, – and it does important work within the convention. It has a valuable place that needs to be preserved. And that comes from somebody – I've been a trustee for five years, and I'm starting a second five-year period. And so, you know, we – we don't need to use this convention as an opportunity to tear ourselves apart. We need to find a way, which we've always been able to do in the past, to come together. And that's my prayer. Well, uh, and, I, and I hope we are stronger, that we're better, because that phrase, better together, is something we've used for many, many, many years yes. about the convention. But it should be uh, – I know what you're saying. Uh, last year was a very volatile convention, and last year you had the messengers – that rose up and quarter, took control of the convention. Right. Uh, the EC, I think, has lost a lot of credibility. Like you said, the ERLC has been under attack. And I think just uh, the messengers have been empowered from last year's convention, and they're probably affinity groups, maybe not officially organized, but certainly theologically or philosophically, that they will gather together and they've got ideas about how. It should be interesting how things go from the floor. Well, and we haven't even talked about the pro-life question, which may hit on the Monday before the convention. You know, it's possible the Supreme Court releases the actual uh, Dobbs decision this Monday, and if it is that Roe v. Wade has been rolled back, then there's diff- there are differences among Southern Baptists about what it means to be pro-life, and that's going to be debated um, heavily. 
Well, I tell you what, we're out of time. But look, uh, since you said that, uh, you got to come back real soon, and we've got to take that subject up and talk about it. You willing to do that? Absolutely. I'd love well, to. Well, God bless you, and we'll do it. Thanks, Rudy. Thanks for Appreciate coming it. today, and God bless you. Same to you, brother. We're glad you joined us for Courier Conversations, where we are informing and inspiring South Carolina Baptists and beyond. For more information about these topics and more, subscribe to our e-edition or go to our website at baptistcourier.com. The Courier is located in Greenville, South Carolina as a multimedia ministry partner of the South Carolina Baptist Convention. To comment about today's podcast, email us at conversations at baptistcourier.com. This podcast produced by Bob Sloan Audio Productions. 